eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, and we're going to start this with Joey Wagner. We're going to have a special interview after this with Cam Cox, who's really the coordinator of everything NIL at the University of Illinois. So looking forward to getting an update on just what NIL looks like in the first year of this happening, really the first three months of this happening. So we'll talk to Cam, get an update on that. But the first part of this podcast, let's do a preview of, we can't call it a big game. I don't think we can call any Illinois football game big until they start stacking some wins here, uh, as Brett Bielma likes to say. But this is an opportunity, I believe, for Illinois. Even though they're 11-point underdogs, understandably so, at Purdue, this 2.30 kickoff, Joey, with Illinois starting to get healthy, with some questions in Purdue's receiver room with injuries, especially their most important player on offense, David Bell, this does feel like one of the biggest opportunities left on a schedule that gets really tough after next week's game at Charlotte. Yeah, it's huge, right? And I, here's the thing is I don't know if we would be talking with a similar tone if the defense came out last Friday night like it did the previous two games, right? I mean, just because Purdue wants to throw this thing around and Illinois actually, I know the yards are there and like you can't hide those, but I thought Ryan Walters made a good point when he said like, it didn't feel like that really in the course of the game. So I think that almost gave – you know, for me, a, a little bit new life, I guess, when I mentally kind of approach this game. And I, I'm sure fans who are still frustrated for any number of reasons would, would have to look at that and say, look, this defense, at least for one game, I, I need to see it again. But it would reason to think that it could hold up a little bit better against Purdue than I would have thought when we were on a flight back from Charlottesville two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like the taste of that, terrible ending is not out of anybody's mouth and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. be it yeah. shouldn't be um that was atrocious that was some of the worst five minutes of football execution i have seen uh, from a football team um at least one that was winning a game with 50 with 55 minutes into a game so but you have this opportunity now and you feel like if that does translate joe it was kind of a bend but don't break but they kept everything in front of them against maryland didn't allow a lot of big plays you actually made some big plays played well on third down if you do that against purdue a purdue team that if david bell doesn't go um that offense isn't like even though it's a pass happy potent offense doesn't scare me near as much because Jack Plummer I just think Purdue seems vulnerable a little bit Joey I watched I know Notre Dame they competed 
Oregon State, you go back and watch that game. Oregon State's not a very good football program. And I was not very impressed by Purdue. Now, Jack Palmer made some good throws off his back foot. And David Bell is a superstar. George Karloftis is a superstar. They got two studs if David Bell plays. But the rest of that roster doesn't scare me as much. Their offensive line isn't all that good. Xander Horvath, their, their star running back, is out. If David Bell is out too, Mershon Rice, we haven't talked about him. He's their second best receiver so far this year. He's out with a foot injury. The offensive line isn't very good. Uh, and, and their back seven of the defense, outside of Karloftis, the defense doesn't have a, a ton of, of big playmakers. I know Illinois doesn't either, right? I'm just saying, like, this feels like a Purdue team that even though it's 2-1 and one right now and competed against Notre Dame, it feels vulnerable because even Jack Plummer, who's 72% completion this year, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, his coach pulled him last week. And it just that that's odd to me. Aiden O'Connell comes in, has two kind of bad luck interceptions, which is kind of odd to me that you could shake your quarterback's confidence who would seem to be playing pretty well. His offensive line wasn't protecting him. Um, it, it just feels like they're – that Purdue could be a little shaky going into this game despite their record. I guess Jeff Brown has never met a quarterback he could not inexplicably bench in the middle of the game, I suppose. I don't I don't know what they're doing. But, yeah, man, I, and one of the wins, so it's funny you say this, because I was going through, you know, we do our over-unders, and I'm going through trying to look at some season averages for Purdue, and you can't look at those because the second game they played was against a crisis of humanity, UConn, <laughs> that literally is the worst FBS team on the face of the earth right now. So like a lot of the numbers, if you just pulled up the stats and looked at this Purdue team, they look actually pretty impressive when you factor in UConn. But if you take them out, there's not a lot about this team that you think Illinois has got no chance. I mean, like that's how we felt last week against Maryland where you're like, how are they going to stop the passing attack? And they hung in there. They sometimes for dear life a little bit. Right. But I don't look at this team now. If David Bell plays, I, you know the question is how in the world do you stop yeah. David Bell? And the answer is well, you just don't. How do you stop David Bell? How do you stop George Karloftis? Can Illinois compete with that? I, that that would be very very. Those are two guys sure. who are going to be very high draft picks. That Illinois just doesn't have those kind of guys on their team, and they don't have the kind of guys who can really stop them. Right? right? I mean, your hope is. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. Is when was the last time that a team? I, I don't know that Illinois is specifically scheming for Carl Aftis, but to, for a defensive lineman, like that you have to specifically say that guy can change this entire thing. Like they got, they got out of playing Ohio state, but Ohio state has George Carl Aftis everywhere. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you could say, OA last year, Penn state, but everyone was kind of tuned out of the season by that point. But that I mean, game you, happened to who knows AJ Epinesa. Right. And, yeah. and we can remember how one defensive lineman can just dominate a game for like 10 minutes and completely blow it out. Like Karloftis has that in him. So that is a scary matchup where, I mean, I'll, I'll say now my Illini in the spotlight outside of Brandon Peters on offense, and we'll talk about him here in a second, is Verdarian Lowe and Alex Palczewski. And if I'm Purdue, I might line him up on the interior against, we'll see if Julian Pearl's fully healthy, seems like he will be, or whoever the other guard is, likely Jack Bedovinak, it seems like. Um, I might line him up on the interior just to, because Illinois has really struggled to pass protect this year. The guards have been an issue. But we know Palczewski has had struggles uh, pass protecting. And Vidarian Lowe, though he's still good, really solid left tackle. Uh, he had a moment last week in, in crunch time where, where he got knocked off his block. Yeah, I have to wonder what Illinois is going to do 
because I don't think they're just going to put some anybody out on an island with Carl Optus, right? I think he's going to demand every last bit of attention that offensive line has. And if someone else beats you, you tip your hat, you hop on the bus, and you go back to Champagne. Well, and that's what I'm very interested in. There's a little scheming thing, Joe. Um, Luke, Luke Ford might have a lot of value this week as a blocker, as a pass blocker. Tip Ryman, tip Ryman might, might have yeah. a lot of value this week as a pass blocker, which if you're an offense that's struggling to pass the ball and you're max protecting and you only got a couple of receivers running routes, like that can be a concern about the passing game. But that's why the running game is going to have to be good this week. And you have had a good running game. Uh, against Purdue the last couple of years. Dre Brown a couple of years ago and that that monsoon went off. Uh, Reggie Corbin uh, had 40-plus yards, and I, th- I think uh, another running back had 40-plus yards in that game, Rayvon Bonner, um, and, and Brown had 131. Last year, Chase Brown had a really, really strong game against Purdue as well. Uh, so you got to get that going, and then you get some, maybe some play-action opportunities. But if people – like, even though I I feel like, hey, Illinois, I think they got a chance, like a real chance going into this game, your quarterback play has to improve. We know the offensive line has to be better. The wide receivers are an issue still on this team, but they got to get more out of Brandon Peters. I looked it up, Joey. The last five games, Brandon Peters is 16 of 48 throwing. And right. that's not all on him. Some of that he was pulled, right? Like, but even dating back to that Iowa game, he was 10 of 18. So you add that to it, he's still under 50%. The last two seasons that he's played, I know they're disjointed seasons for him. He's under 50%. That's not all on the offensive line. That's not all on the wide receivers. Illinois needs better quarterback play. He doesn't have to outplay Jack Plummer by himself, but he's got to be way better than he's been for Illinois since uh, really last year. Since Michigan State? in 2019 right and nebraska nebraska last year was the best we've seen Brandon but those are those are outliers right now like the cow game like the cow bowl game like that feels so long ago because it was he's had really one good performance since then and i know the environment around him hasn't been good but art sikowski came into a game cold and he was better against nebraska than peters was with a whole week of preparation last week yeah you have to wonder if he struggles again, what this means, right, for him, because this coaching staff has continued to put all their chips in the middle for him, almost begging him to give him a return, right? I mean, they, they've said all the right things. They, I mean, they keep going back to the guy, and he's got to deliver for them at some point. Now, if he doesn't this week, you've got to step, step back and say, at what point is he no longer the best option to win a college football game? Because I know there are some people who want to see a youth movement, who want to see what some of the younger guys have. I get that, especially when this thing's been kind of a rough, very rough three weeks. Which is interesting to me, Joey, because I understand they want like, hey, let's see a hope for the future. Did that work last time? Like, did that help you long term? Did it really by throwing those guys out? It, it It helped to win games. And right now, I still think the best players on this team mostly are your upperclassmen, your seniors. And, and this coaching staff wants to win football games, yeah. right? Like they did not come in here year one to get moral victories and pat on the backs for playing young guys. And be honest, if you see a young player, are you really like, you know what? This is going to be great for us in two years. No, you're going to be ticked off because they probably lost again if they go to uh, this youth movement, right? So it's, it's just a little early, I, I think, to go for that. But – my long-winded way of coming back to it is what does it, if Brandon struggles, I don't know that they go to art in this game 
it's something that's going to be super curious to see. But if he struggles, at what point do you say, we got to give Art a full week and, and just go back down that road? And look, this might all be all null and void, but it's a real conversation to have because the numbers back it up. You know, the staff came out this week, and I know more fans probably wanted to hear they're making a change of quarterback because the backup quarterback's always the most popular. I'm already getting asked, like, who, who could be after Sikowski? Like, it's Ryan Johnson's time to shine. He's the most popular guy on campus. Um, listen, Brandon Peters is the most talented quarterback they have. Um, but Art Sikowski gave a life to the offense at times and, and an energy that I just haven't seen from Brandon Peters. Like part of your job as a quarterback is inspire your teammates, give them some life. We saw that from Isaiah Williams last year when Brandon was struggling. I really got to see that from him this week. And maybe because it's been so disjointed of a two years from him with COVID and then this injury that maybe he just needs time. And the coaching staff was very complimentary, very positive about him this week. I don't think that means like they're all in on him for the rest of the year. I think it just means he gives us the best chance to win. We got to get him right. We got to give him some constructive positivity, right? Like we got to help him be confident. Uh, we haven't been able to talk to Brandon in the last couple weeks, hasn't been made available to us. So I'm wondering, like, do they want as many positive thoughts in Brandon's head right now as possible, knowing he's upset about his play and the team's play last week because they think he's still the best chance for them to win? But how long is that leash? I think the leash is shorter in our minds or in fans' minds because we've seen it for the last two years now. This coaching staff, maybe their leash is a little bit longer in ours, but we'll, we'll see, Joey, if Brandon struggles, just how long that leash is. Um, what are your other thoughts about this game? Illinois is getting healthy, right? This is the healthiest we've seen this team since week one. And you could probably say even healthier because some of the wide receivers we haven't seen yet. Jafar Armstrong and Brian Hightower are healthy. But Doug Kramer is going to be back this week. They certainly missed him last week. Julian Pearl is supposed to be back, and he missed the second half last week. Chase Brown supposed to be available. Josh McCray is good to go, practice the last couple of days. Uh, and Keith Randolph is back on defense for a defensive line, Joey, that took a step forward last week. I thought Roderick Perry was dominant at times. Uh, obviously, Seth Coleman gave them a lot of talent off the edge, some, some big plays off the edge. And Johnny Newton and Owen Carney made some impact plays. So, it does feel like Illinois is getting healthy at the right time while Purdue has some big injury questions with their wide receivers and Xander Horvath out. Yeah, I mean, I know it sounds a lot like a, like an excuse, right? Like they've not been healthy for the first four games in Nebraska, more or less notwithstanding. But there is a lot of reality in that, right? I mean, losing Keith Randolph when you did, losing C.J. Hart for the season, Mike Epstein – you know, for however, we, we don't know how long. I, I don't even know that he's much of a thought in my mind, unfortunately, for him right now, just because we, we don't have a timetable. You can go down the list. Doug Kramer, I don't know that people are talking about it enough. I know we have discussed it a few times. This dude has been the best player on the football team through the first four games of the season, or three games, I guess, right, since he missed last week. He has been really, really, really good and a huge part of that offense, which, I mean – has struggled, but he, I mean, he's just been, he's a fifth rated center in college football, according to PFF. He's just been kind of overlooked a little bit up at that position, but he matters. So I do want to see what this team looks like healthy. I don't think it's going to be some like, look out. Oh boy. You know, the freight trains are coming, but, but I do think. But, but you, know, you could I, say Keith Randolph, is he, if he's in that UTSA game, does he make enough of a difference to potentially win? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, if if Doug Kramer is in that game, 
does that go to overtime? I think so. I think I think the game probably goes to overtime if Doug Kramer is, is in the uh, the last game against Maryland, or if Josh McCray or Chase Brown is in the game, does Maryland get the ball back? Like, no, or do they get not. the ball back with two minutes left instead of five minutes left? And Illinois had scored points. Like, I think that's a distinct possibility. So even though Illinois has to overcome those things, they have to execute. Everybody has injuries. They've had some pretty key ones. I mean, we look at quarterback, center, running back, uh, a really key interior defensive lineman as well, and and C.J. Hart, of course. The Maryland game is the one that I really come back to the most and say, what if? And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think they get to fourth and one with one of Chase Brown or Josh McCray available. And if you've got big Josh McCray, are you more inclined to go for it on fourth and one? with that big guy. Right. And I mean, it's all hindsight. And I know it's an eye roll for some people because how this thing ended, but these are things that if you just think differently, right. Or step back and wow, what, what if they had Doug Kramer on third and two with or without Josh McCray or or Chase Brown? And what if Julian Pearl didn't miss the whole second half? You can get all the way lost down these, but it's clear that the injuries have had an impact. Have they changed the outcome of, of any game? We don't know. But they've changed the impact, or in some cases, you could reasonably assume the thought process mm-hmm. and how Illinois goes about things. So it's it's good they're getting back and healthy. I think that's going to continue. We knew there were going to be a lot of very narrow margin to competitive games. As you lose some guys, you get wider margins. You get uncompetitive games, and that, that narrow margin is gone. So yeah. if you want to at least see competitive games – Yes, having these guys back is a big deal, and maybe maybe they flip one or two down the stretch. Maybe not. Maybe this is just what it is, but you'd much rather have those dudes out there. Uh, I feel like we saw some big defensive adjustments from the staff, Joey. Um, they went more zone, it felt like, last week. Rushed with three or four more times, and, and he still got aggressive sometimes, including that, that final drive where – where Maryland uh, got the field goal. Ryan Walters, um, Maryland takes the ball at the 46. He got aggressive. He goes, I got, I need a play. I need to get them out of field goal territory. And it, it didn't work, right? Uh, one-on-one, they got beat, and uh, they set up for a field goal. Uh, so he's still mixing and matching, but they they changed personnel with Tavion Nicholson in for Tony Adams. You see Seth Coleman come in, and we'd been kind of asking for that the previous couple of weeks. It just gives them a, a talented option. Um I think you'll see a lot of similar things this week against a very similar Purdue team to Maryland. Uh, but offensively, I'm wondering, what what changes does Tony Peterson make? They did change Julian Pearl to guard. I thought that was a good move. They did change, hey, Josh McCray and Chase Brown are two running backs, with Jakari Norwood as kind of our, our uh, change of pace guy. And Jakari Norwood was open on two wheel routes on that last drive, that terrible, terrible last drive. He was open, and Brandon Peters just didn't have enough time uh, to get him the ball or avoid the pressure. And what what are the other ones? I, I, we keep saying it, but Isaiah Williams has to get the ball more. Uh, I think they tried to get the ball to the tight ends. But you got to force feed Isaiah Williams the ball, and I just feel like you got to find a way to get better talent out on the field at wide receiver. Guys who can go compete for a jump ball for Brandon Peters. Guys who can get a little separation, whether it's Deuce Span. But I think Brian Hightower, a guy who can you know jump up and get a ball. Jafar Armstrong can maybe you know sprint down the field and take a top off a of defense. I feel like we just need to see more talent at that position just to see what you got because Donnie Navarro might be you know, really consistent. I like him, uh, but Carlos Sandy might run block well. Casey Washington might run block well, and I know that's your identity, but you got to find some guys who can make plays for you. Yeah, I, 
I think that's really just one position, right? That we just say, what can they change? Because I, I don't think you can change much on the offensive line. I obviously the quarterback, you look at that, right? Running back seems set tight ends. Those are your guys wide receiver. There's just a lot of pieces. I don't know how many of them are any good other than right. not Isaiah Williams or Deuce Span. Um, but but what do you do, right? And how do you try to shock that jolt into the system, into the offense a little bit? The the Jafar Armstrong, Brian Hightower thing continues to perplex me. Um I don't know. If, I don't know if they're great, uh, but I do know Brian Hightower made plays last year a couple times. Um, you know, like how many how many touchdowns is, is Casey Washington getting on receptions? You know what I mean? Like Brian Hightower had three last year. He had a couple big games when Karan Taylor was in the game, right? He'd just go up and go get a ball. Jafar Armstrong, I have never really played receiver that much, so I, I can understand some questions around him. But just physically, they feel more talented. But we'll see if Tony Peterson's seen enough from from them in practice. That seemed to be what he was suggesting: is he hasn't seen them healthy enough yet, or enough in practice, like being effective. Yeah, I really wonder about all of that because on the surface, it's kind of hard to understand with the answers that we're getting why we've not seen them out there. Um, the Isaiah Williams thing, I asked Tony Peterson, I said, is there a way to to force feed him in different ways that beyond throwing it downfield? He had seven targets, and it seems like some of the targets are getting further and further from the line of scrimmage. In my mind, conceptually, you would probably ideally like them to get a little closer and closer. Brandon Peters' best ball was a deep ball to Isaiah Williams, but Isaiah's 5'9", going up against a DB who's six foot. Like, it's not a very great matchup right there. That's not the receiver I think he is. It doesn't really work, right? And so, and it sounds like some of these jet screen, or jet sweeps, these shovel passes are almost like an RPO type of operation, right? If Brandon likes or or Art, or whoever is playing quarterback, not Ryan Johnson, sorry, everybody. But it it's almost it's to their discretion. If you're Tony Peterson, do you say, just try it a few times. I don't care if you don't like yes. the look. Just yes. let him see if he can do something, and we'll see what we have because you got to get that dude the ball. And, and I do wonder, too, with the tight ends. We saw, I mean, I know everybody, this is literally like every fall. It's like, where are the tight ends? Well, Tony Peterson did try last week, right? Yeah. We, I mean, almost on one drive to a fault tried three straight times down inside the 10-yard line. Maryland covered and them the, well, and Brandon overthrew Luke Ford when he was over. Right, and, and there were a couple where he missed Daniel Barker. would have only been, I know you and Jay broke this down, would have only been a few yards, right? But second and seven is a heck of a lot better than second and ten. You know, either way you slice it. So if you're Tony Peterson, do you say, hey, just go. Just just drop it off to them real quick. I mean, th- this is our best way to try to get three, four yards at a time with these guys. I don't know, but you've got to continue to try to, to shoehorn those three specifically into this offense. And, and at this point, I'm not understanding why Deuce Span is playing 12, 15 snaps a game. That number should be up, up, up because he can take the top off of a defense. And, and that is, we saw, I mean, I was a little nervous to say that before Virginia, to be honest with you, because it's like, okay, he caught a couple of teams off guard. They, they thought he was a freaking quarterback an hour ago. Uh, so, but then he made that, that catch against Virginia was a really hard catch. And, and it's hard to put a lot of stock into that, but that was a wide receiver catch. That was not a gadget catch. Well, and how about the one against Maryland? I know it was an eight yard first down, but that yeah, was a slant. Up. 
It was a slant, and he caught it, took a hit, and got off. Like it was like okay, that he looks like a receiver. I know he could be limited as a blocker and all those things, but on um, passing downs, it might be a guy you want to get on the field uh, just a little bit more. So I, I agree with those things, Joey. And it's um, I, I'm wondering if he gets a little more creative. Do we see any trickery? You got two former quarterbacks. Um, if you need a spark, do you, do you get those guys a ball and? And maybe get your tight end involved that way. Daniel Barker slips one that people think think it's a reverse to Isaiah Williams, and Isaiah hits him for for a big. I, I we just haven't seen that yet, and I, I feel like it's in the bag, but but we just haven't seen that. So it's I just think it's a, it's a Purdue team that should have respect, right? But it's also this is a big game for Purdue. I was I was reading uh, from the rivals guys at Purdue. I respect their coverage, GoldenBlack.com, and they said there's a really important two game stretch for Jeff Brom. Because you expected to beat Oregon State at home. You're expected to lose to Notre Dame. They competed for about four quarters there. Um, but Jeff Brom hasn't made bowls the last couple games. If, if they're going to make a bowl, they got to beat Illinois, and they should go up and, and potentially steal one from Minnesota as well. So this, this is a two-big game stretch for them. And with kind of the quarterback thing they got going on, David Bell and Mershon Rice hurt, it just feels like they're a little bit vulnerable. So it feels like this is an opportunity for Illinois but also a huge game for Purdue that that they know if they, if they want to make a bowl this year, they, they got to take care of business at home. Yeah, I mean, you remember a couple of years ago where we would talk similarly, like if Illinois wants to do X, Y, or Z, I don't know how many times that was a bowl discussion, but it was you've got to beat Rutgers, right? And if you're Purdue, do you look at this similarly? Like, hey, this is a team that just has not won. They, they're vulnerable in a lot of different ways. We can't be who we want to be or get close to who we want to be without beating this team. So that's – I did kind of overlook a little bit of that as I thought about this game. It's like, well, this thing really – that's a big deal to Purdue. I mean, they – that's a what, – what is the narrative of Scott Frost and what – is this year four for him? Jeff Brown, you're talking about? Yeah. Jeff Brown, sorry. Or year five. Year, I mean, year, well, he makes, he makes two bowls – Recruits Rondo Moore, George Karloftis, David Bell, a bunch of four-star recruits, even Milton Wright, who's got to step up for them at wide receiver, had a career game against Illinois last year, so they can't take that receiver core um, you know, lightly. But you know, the the buzz is kind of wearing off after he signed that mega deal, after Louisville missed on him to bring him back home. Like, this is kind of okay, is Jeff Brom just did he just elevate Purdue to, hey, we're not terrible anymore, but we're gonna make a bowl every year to like every two or three years, or are they really a team that can be fourth in middle of the pack in the big 10 West, or are they right there with Illinois? And I would say Nebraska at the bottom of the big 10. Yeah, man. It's a couple, as you look around the big 10, there are a couple spots where you say, what is, what is long-term the answer here? Right. I mean, and they're one Nebraska. I don't know if you heard Nebraska's one. Um, It's just a few of those spots. So you do wonder there, can, can we talk real quickly about the Illinois defense? Just yeah. I, last week was, to me, really, really encouraging. Um, it wasn't perfect, but what I I continue to be a little bit more and more impressed with Ryan Walters each week. I know the results were absolutely not there uh, for two straight weeks against UTSA and against Virginia. And I know last week there was the, the yards ordeal and really the last two drives. But if you look at him by the process of which he approaches this and not 100% of the eggs, and it's a result-driven industry, but not everything into just the results. But if you look at how he's approached things, I thought he has been flexible in what he wants to be defensively. I think he has looked and said, you know what, this 
pressing this button might make some people uncomfortable. Benching a super senior captain, uh, let's be honest, man, that could have gone any number of different ways, right? I mean, in a big picture, and same with Isaiah Gabe, but he's been willing to press those buttons and and the whole defensive staff. So I, I, the process of which he approaches this is really telling to me. If you're an Illinois fan, that should be encouraging as they start to get more talent there. And he's moved places during the games, Joey. Uh, big storyline yes. this week. He's thinking outside the box, right? He's gone from <laughs> in the press box all the way down uh, to the field, and it seemed to have a good impact. He said he wants to know the players, like, you know, how they're feeling. And when you got a former D.C. and Kevin Kane that can just go back up to the box and you can trust him, uh, I think that that's really important. But, um, you know, Brett Bielma said he always liked to be on the field as a D.C. Ryan Walters, I think, for most of his time at, at Missouri uh, was was out, out of there. So I don't know how big of a factor that played, but – they felt it was important enough to make that change, and the early result is pretty good. So we'll see. They got they got to repeat that, right? Otherwise, yeah, like, is that the agreed. outlier? And um, I, I don't want to sound like this thing is fixed, and, and those right. two weeks were were really just kind of outliers. But I don't think that's the case at all. I just think that when you evaluate this team, as we get to learn this a little bit more, you need to look at the process of things, and I think that's the reason people have been frustrated with Tony Peterson. And the results, I, I, you know, I know the super senior thing. I picked him to go to a bowl game. That looks unwise at this point, right? But if you look at just how they're going about things, you can see a little bit of light emerging through almost 500 yards of total offense. And I think that's important in year one. Well, I think the, the coaches are, are figuring out what their team is and what it isn't, right? Huge. Um, and, and I think we saw that from Ryan Walters last week. I think we're seeing it more gradually with the offense, and that's where I think this week comes in, into hand is how does Tony Peterson adjust? Does he make any changes at wide receiver? How long is the leash for Brandon Peters? Because if the defense can mimic last week's performance, the offense is going to have a chance to win, and it's just one you can't you can't ruin that opportunity again. Again, this team had a little margin for error. The defense was awful against UTSA. The offense tried to pick them up. It wasn't good enough. Last week, the defense played great and the offense failed them. So you can't have that. You got to have a kind of complimentary football performance, not make huge mistakes, not have the penalties, and also not have the late game failures uh, you did last week. This team has no margin for error, but I do think, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I, mm-hmm. I would be kind of shocked, especially if David Bell does not play, because I think Illinois is probably better than Oregon State. And Oregon State had a chance to win that game. It was 23-21 uh, with five minutes left or something like that. And I know Notre Dame, like, they're good. I don't think they're great. And Purdue gave them a game. I, I just think Illinois is going to have a chance at some point to win this game. And if they don't, obviously there's way bigger concerns long-term and probably bigger changes on the horizon. But I feel like this is one of the best chances left, along with next week at home against Charlotte, uh, to, to win games. Think of, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but along with, so Northwestern, to, along with Northwestern, by the way, <laughs> I, I've never been to Purdue. That's going to continue this week, but I don't think it's some like, Oh boy, it's tough to go into Purdue and play. No, you know no, what I, I, don't, mean? I don't know. I don't know the last time somebody said that about Purdue football. Now you go to Mackey. Yeah. That's Mackey's, really tough. Yeah, to go play this game at Mackey. I would say inside Mackey, maybe throw some, some turf down, but it's the same thing. They, these are, these are, these are sister schools. I mean, Purdue and Illinois are very similar when it comes to fan bases, sports, athletics, football, failures, and struggles. Like, very, very similar. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, you look at this as a road game. You're not going across the country to Virginia, right? You, I mean, this is like you're playing literally in like Monticello effectively. And it's not a hard road environment. So I, I think there are some ways that this lines up that Illinois could leave West Lafayette with a win. You know, they'd be two and one in Big Ten play for whatever in the world you want to consider that to mean. And then you get Charlotte. And now I'm looking probably too far ahead, and you'll tell me that, and I understand that. But what would two wins? for? I mean, two wins in a row after that. You could start to, to get a little bit of juice uh, going, if not for anywhere else, but on the recruiting trail and in the locker room. It's a long way away, a really long way away. Maybe won't even get there. But th- you can see that maybe a little bit uh, – start to emerge if you got a little bit of hope we'll see if they can provide that this week joey wagner enjoy the wedding this weekend i'll take care of us at west lafayette do a solo pod after that one and uh we'll reconvene next monday enjoy it man thanks i'd say call me but don't (laughs) (laughs) uh talk to you later man later all right great stuff with joey when we come back let's go to a different topic and it's a big topic in college athletics and it really was three months ago when this started but what does NIL look like three months into the NIL era? We will talk to Cam Cox. He's the Influence Program Coordinator, basically coordinates everything NIL at the University of Illinois. Had a great conversation with him, a lot of insight, even had some opinions on everything that's going on and what could uh, go on in the future. So if you're interested in NIL, I, I would really advise you to, to stay tuned and listen to what Cam had to say. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy to shift gears a little bit and uh, focus on a big topic that uh, we now are learning a little bit more. Now that it's actually in practice, we've been talking about this for years. But Cam Cox, he's the Influence Program Coordinator at the University of Illinois. Basically coordinates everything, advises everything, name, image, and likeness. Cam, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, We really appreciate the time and the insight you can provide. Yeah, glad to do it and and glad to talk about such an exciting space. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Cam, before we get into it, can you share kind of a little bit about your background and and kind of what drew you to this new kind of, uh, you know, front frontier kind of position uh, at Illinois? Absolutely. So I um, am originally from Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, Um, went uh, down to Auburn for undergrad and went to Vanderbilt for law school and after Vanderbilt. I, uh, I practiced law, did securities law up in New York City for a couple of firms for a few years. Um, and as I really kind of started to think about my skill set and some of the analytical reasoning, but but really wanting to be on something cutting edge, 
I've always had that love for my background for college sports. And to me, this was the perfect mix of that, right? It allows me to kind of still do a little bit of the attorney thing and, and kind of think about how do we create good solutions and, and really sometimes in detailed and structured sorts of ways. Um, but at the same time, it just really puts me on the cutting edge of something that's really, really big and exciting. And, and so when I saw an opportunity to be here at Illinois doing this work, it wasn't something I could turn down. Yeah, it feels like you're you're almost the sheriff of this wild, wild west, which is exciting, but also feels like, oh, do we know what we're doing here quite yet? So kind of describe what has your position been the last three months of this new NIL era? Well, you know, I, I guess I, I probably want to think of myself more as Buzz Lightyear than Woody. So I, I don't know if I want to be the sheriff of the Wild West, but it, it does feel a little bit like that, right? Because there's this sense that there, there are rules and you need to follow the rules, but it's a question of, okay, how do we follow, follow so few rules and make sure that we're able to still give our student athletes the best opportunity they can of anybody across the country? And so a lot of what I do on the day-to-day is follow the market. That's probably the biggest thing to see, you know, um, how creative are other people getting? Um, I think a lot of what I do is educate student athletes and kind of teach them about this new space, right? Because what I see all the time are folks saying, well, no one knows what's going on. No one knows what's going on. And say, well, well, that's true. But the most important group of people who ask to know what's going on are student athletes. And so we do a lot of education here. And I do a lot of education, bringing experts and other things to teach about stuff that student athletes will want to know um, in this space. I like to say a lot of times that it's stuff they should just know in general as emerging adults, right? And, and I'm able to dangle a little money in front of them and trick them into learning about financial literacy and how to make a brand and this kind of stuff. Um, but, but I'd say that that's most what it is. Yeah, so I, there's so much we can get into, Cam, about some of the nitty-gritty details. I, I kind of want to start big here because I think sure. we're about three months into this. How much has NIL changed the lives of these student-athletes? Well, I, I'll say this. I, I don't think that for most of them that it has changed their lives yet. Right. I do think that there's a potential for a lot of them that that could happen. And the reason why, to be honest, Jeremy, is because if you think back to when you're in college, a little bit of money goes a long way, right? And, and we're not even just talking about just time value money and that kind of thing. I'm talking about just in the day-to-day sense of, hey, if you could make 750 bucks or $1,000 in a month, I mean, that was a lot. I'll say, you know, there was a year when I was in college, I was an RA and I had like 2,000 extra dollars for the semester. And I felt like I was, you know, at least a second round draft pick in the NBA, right? Like, I mean, in my mind, I was I was rich, right? And, and I think there's a little bit of that. I will say that there there are some where it has actually really um, affected their quality of life. And, and I've been proud of that and really excited to see them try to capitalize on on what's out there um, and, and to get creative. Because I think that's what really impresses me all the time has been the creativity of young people in this space. I mean, I think young people are, are the people who gave us TikTok and Snapchat and all these other things. And I was like, what in the world when I first saw it? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so I shouldn't be surprised, but I continue to be really shocked by how good of a job they're doing at creating opportunities for themselves. What opportunities have been out there, Cam? Whether it's, you know, Trent Frazier obviously has been very out there and, and it seems like he's been pretty successful at this. Uh, but but even for, say, a, a baseball player or a soccer player or volleyball, like what has been out there for the average student athlete? You'd be surprised. So so we'll talk about soccer and, and I won't put out names, but I'll tell you, one of my soccer freshmen is incredibly active. She's had six different deals, small deals, but six different deals um, just as a freshman. So you're talking about someone who was not that long ago in high school who's just gobbling up different things. And some of them are 
in like the kind of food space. Some of them are in <clears throat> more of the like fashion space, um, but they're all kind of around social media. I'll say there's another soccer player who has a pretty good sized deal um, also around social media with, with a boutique that, that's here in the region. Um, I'll say in baseball, there are a couple guys who have reached out to me about working with um, athletic gear, right? So, so being able to say, you know what, I think that, you know, if I'm, a, and he's not, but if I'm a catcher, there's some real value in me promoting catcher's equipment to high school baseball student athletes who are, you know, very many in the state of Illinois and, and have a particular eyes on, on our guys. So that, that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. Um, I think across the market, we're seeing a lot of creativity as well. We're seeing things that are as easy to understand as, hey, you know, make one social media post and you'll get a small amount of money and stuff that's as, as creative and complex as there have been professional teams that are working with college student athletes to promote attendance, right? Where you're like, hey, that, that felt weird, right? The first time I saw it. And then you think, well, no, actually, that can really happen. Um, and so, so it's really, really been cool to see what all what all's been out there, and it's been at every level. So I'm glad that you that you brought up Trent, and then you also asked about some of my non-rep kids as well. Yeah, because I was going to ask. I mean, it feels like Instagram, social media, seems to be the biggest thing. I mean, a lot of us older people might think of, you know, doing a car commercial or something like that. Like, and is it all? Ca- I mean, you're mentioning equipment, stuff like that. Um, boutiques. Is it? Is it clothing? Is it like? Is it just cash or is there a lot of different things involved? So we're seeing a good mix, I'll say here. And, and I don't have the hard data sure. across the market, but I, I have some stuff. Um, we're seeing a good mix. We're seeing probably about the plurality of our deals are probably um, merchandise or gifts in kind. There are a good number that are, are straight card cash, which is still king in my opinion. Right. Um, and then there's, of course, deals that are the mix of the two, right? So if you do, I don't know, if you want to do five posts, maybe you're getting this much in merch, but you're getting this much in cash. And it's all about what you can negotiate. And it's been interesting to also watch student athletes kind of do those negotiations and, and think about what makes the most sense for them, right? Because there are some businesses where they're like, wow, I'm, I'm so into this and I, I so believe in this, or I so much, I use this product all the time. So my ability to get the merch is, is really as good as cash. Um, and there are some where they're like, well, it, particularly if there's some sort of like a, an earnout concept or, or kind of a, a royalty thing where they're like, well, I, I really want to make sure I have this up front because I don't know how well they're going to be able to market this thing, right? So there, there's a real value to it. And, and it's been interesting to see everything. How would you say, because obviously Illinois cannot broker the deal. You can't be like the middleman for all of this. Right. So what what kind of questions um, have these student athletes come up with? And, and what, have, what have you seen of their engagement of this process? Are are they aggressive or are they kind of, you know, uh, skeptical of things? Like how have they kind of approached it, I guess, generally? It varies. And, and I'll say, so when I think about education and, and so let, let me, I'll answer your question and I'll tell you yeah. why it's important. Yeah. So your question is to what, what they're asking. A lot of what they're asking are kind of business questions. So things about how certain clauses of contracts work. Like part of what we're not able to do is kind of sign off on contracts. But as an attorney, I can't resist giving contract education. So they'll say, well, what does this mean? And I'll say, well, that's a non-competition clause. That's what this is about. Um, and then their next question might be, well, that sounds pretty bad. Do you think that's bad? And I'll say, well, I can't really take an opinion on that. Um, but but this is like how that works, yeah. right? Or there are things around kind of FTC regulations with make sure you say hashtag ad or hashtag sponsor. Like, well, what is that, right? Those kinds of things that we're seeing. I say that's most of what they're asking. I think a lot of what they're asking too is just, 
just to be honest with you, the sorry, Cam, I didn't pay attention the first five times you told me that. Now I have an offer. What's that NIL thing, right? Um, and it's funny because on the other hand, businesses are doing some something similar where businesses will call. I mean, I got a call earlier today and a guy said, you know, I had this idea and I want to work with somebody and I'm thinking that maybe they could do like an Instagram post and um, and we could pay them for that. Is, it, is that how NIL works? And I was like, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you pretty much got it in a nutshell, right? And it's and it was funny because I think he thought there was going to be kind of this long call and all these kind of restrictions. It's like not really, right? We we aren't in a wild wild west per se, but we are in a space where you can create stuff and, and you don't have to constantly feel like, well, there's going to be seventy five layers of rules. And it's been funny because I think both on the business side and student athlete side, they're so used to that. They're so used to there being like a, well, yes, you can do it, but you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't, do this you can't do that. We're flipping it. Right. And it's a situation of you can do this, 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 this and that. And there's this much that you can't do. Um, and it's been interesting to see people kind of navigate that space. I, I don't want to like, you know, shade your answer to this, but is is it less scary than than some people thought it would be um, without all of that regulation, without all this yeah. guidance of these? There's so many rules against it. Like, as you said, it feels like there's less rules than more rules, which is usually not the case. Yeah, I'm happy to say that it has not been the big bad boogeyman that everybody thinks. I think one thing we have to remember is that even though there are so few rules now, there were so many before and and people aren't just going out there and just trying to basically just run roughshod over the whole world that existed before this. I think there's still a level of skepticism. There's still this level of, well, let me make sure I'm doing this right. There's still this level of well, I need a little bit more education on this. And so even the people who are very aggressive, those are the people who have asked the most questions, right? It's not as if they're just out there just doing stuff. Um, I think there was a big concern before of, hey, this is going to just shake the whole infrastructure and everything's going to fall down. And, you know, as I can see, the light's still still sitting here above me and then and, and the cabinets are still sitting up there, right? And so I think everything everything's going to be okay. There's been a lot of things throughout the history of college athletics, be it other realignments, be it the introduction of scholarships, be it Title IX, where... I think people always thought that this thing that we know and love is really going to be in jeopardy. And the truth is that even though it might change a little bit, it, it's still here and it's still strong. I know Illinois has this partnership with Open Doors. Um, how has that, you know, gone in, through the process so far? How has that impacted having that partnership so far with them? It's gone well. I'll say Open Doors is great. Um, just my two cents. I think Open yeah. Doors is awesome. I think there are a couple of values to Open Doors from our perspective. One of them is that it's it's a great resource for our student athletes is able to provide information, just their access to the breadth that is not only the NIL market, but just kind of the athlete marketing space in general is, is just invaluable. I also think that they really give us a lot of good um, information across the NIL market, right? Because it's easy for me to look at what's going on in Illinois, kind of look on Twitter, think about what's happening across the Big Ten. Um, but it's another thing when they can say, well, this is what you're seeing in Division Three, and Division Two, and Division One, and we're seeing this across hundreds of schools. Um, and then I can say, okay, we're, we're doing well there. We need to pick it up here. Okay, why why maybe do we have an advantage here? Can we exploit something here, right? And, and it kind of gives us that. And then on the other side, because I was thinking about it two sides, right? It's kind of coaches and student athletes and you got the businesses. For the businesses, it's great because it's an awesome booking platform. I think that they found that it's, it's helpful to be able to just find someone immediately because if you're an Illini fan, but you're out in Texas, maybe it's not obvious to you. How, how do I get in contact with an Andre Curbelo? How do I, how do I reach out to Eva Rubin? Right. Um, and, and you can go right there on open doors and, and do that. And so that's been a, a really good resource. And we've been thrilled about that partnership. 
So I'm I'm sitting here thinking like we're three months into this, Cam, and we're still figuring it all out. What have you learned that you think needs to be addressed or, or adjusted with, with NIL rules or, or how people approach it? You know, I'll say this, and this is an extension of my answer before the last one. I really do think, I think, I think everyone says, oh, there needs to be some sort of universal set of rules and maybe federal legislation or whatever. And I, and I agree with that. But the reason why is because what I've found is that across the country, there are a number of different state laws that are pretty much the same in substance. But I say this as, as a recovering attorney, the difference in form can make more of a difference than you think. And we need to think about what is the role of the institution and really figure that out, right? Because I think the institution has some role to play and that that is a positive role. When I look at some of the things that are able to be created down in Georgia or over in Utah as a result of their state law, those aren't the types of things we were trying to prohibit. What we really wanted to do was we, we believe in amateurism. So we don't want student athletes basically getting kind of recruiting inducements for this stuff. And we don't want student athletes being paid by the university, right? That's, that's the difference between us and Chicago Bay or Chicago Bull. When it comes to if I were able to create an opportunity and say, you know what, the university has big partnerships with Nike and Coke and State Farm and whoever else. And if I were to say, you know what, I think all of you on the volleyball team should work with Coke on this kind of campaign. I think it'd be really cool right there around the Olympics or whatever. And then I should call Coke and say, hey, you need to call. That's not what we're trying to stop. And, and I wish that whenever there is kind of one set legislation that everyone has to follow, that the university was able to take a more active role because I love educating student athletes. Why I'm here. I'm a student athlete development guy. I've always had a passion for student athletes since I was a young guy. But I think that there, there's a business component that might be more efficient and, and arguably maybe even more effective because of the point that I made before about how we came from this world where the schools were totally in charge, right? It was all the institution. And so there's still this sense, right? That's why my student athletes ask me, is this a good non-competition clause? Because there's still this sense that like, they feel like we're supposed to be. And in the businesses, it's the same way where they're like, well, am I doing this right? And so no, you've got it totally right. But there's still this belief that, that I, I almost want to talk to the school to make sure it is right. Yeah. Um, but I almost wish that we could go out and say, no, this, this is how you do it. Now do it instead of, well, you know, think about this. Well, think about that. And then you kind of let, let the chips fall as they may. Cause I think we could create more opportunity that way. Yeah. So you, just to, just to be clear, just you'd like the university to be able to take more of an active role yes. uh, in advising and in, in, in brokering these deals. I, I, yes, I would like for the university in the future to be able to broker these kinds of deals because that can happen in some States. And I think that those States have created great opportunity. Yeah. I have no ill will. I don't think, I, I think that, in those states where opportunities have been able to be created and it's been wonderful that it, it kind of shows how silly it is where some states you can't do that. And it also shows how silly it is that there aren't one set of kind of rules. Right. And I know, you, I know you talked about the recruiting inducements from the, from the outsider's perspective. I'm sure there's a lot of people saying, well, that's going to happen right through this NIL. Um, do you think that's, that's like bound to happen with NIL? Like, I know the NCAA doesn't want pay for play. Um, is there anything in place that, that keeps that from actually happening? Not really. I mean, the truth is that, you know, we haven't seen as many kind of just big examples of people messing up there. And that's a good thing. 
but I think there's a question of if I'm a recruit, you know, I, I didn't play sports in college, but when I was looking at college, I thought it, I thought to myself, okay, what connections does a university have to what businesses? I think here in the NIL context, it's the same thing. It's just that instead of thinking about, okay, where can I get internships or who might hire me after graduation? It becomes a question of where am I going to be able to, to secure a big NIL deal? And the truth is, Jeremy, I don't think that at some of these schools, it, it's really that hidden, right? Like there's a sense of, well, maybe if we are really close to a certain company, well, you can't bring that company in and, and have them kind of make a recruiting pitch and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't, you can't, and you shouldn't. But the truth is that there are some schools that are so tied to certain companies that you can feel like I'm going to be supported by, you know, company A or company B or company C, and they've got a huge market cap and a huge marketing budget and a lot of alums. And, and it's not really a recruiting inducement per se. Um, but, but the truth is that it's something that you're looking at the same way I was looking at the internships. Right. Yeah. And it feels like Cam, um, you know, Josh Whitman, obviously hiring you being in the forefront of NIL seems like been very supportive of this. Like, how do you think, like, obviously Illinois can't sell like, Hey, you're going to get this deal, but they can sell that. Hey, we're going to prepare you for this new world. So um, like, how, how is that kind of played out? I mean, it's got to be part of the recruiting bridges. Hey, we can't guarantee you this money, but we can guarantee you we're going to prepare you for to make money. Well, that, and, that, and that's our sell. That's our sell. I mean, if you nowhere can, can guarantee you the money, even if somebody says, you know what, I'm not going to follow the rules and I am going to guarantee you the money. It's still not guaranteed until you got it. Right. <laughs> so the truth is no one can really do that. Our thing is we're going to put you in the best position to be able to get money, to be able to increase your brand. And then if you want to put the work in and kind of take that initiative and do it, please do. And, and we're going to be here to kind of support you and give you all the tools. So that's what we're about. I do generally do recruiting pitches that are around that. Um, but they don't get any kind of specifics because one, it's against the rules. And two, I mean, you can't. I mean, how can I say, and it had to do a softball thing. I mean, how can I say, hey, you come here, you're going to make this amount of money. I mean, it's just, it's just really, really difficult to do that, um, even to the extent that somebody did want to break the rules. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Cam, I, I mean, moving forward, like, are we, do you think a lot's going to change within a year? Um, do you think we're going to learn a lot more within the next year? How, how much longer before this all is just kind of, you know, normal, or we kind of know what to expect out of all of this? You know, I don't know. I think, I think it'll take, I think we will know a lot a year from July one, just because we'll have seen everything one time. I think there's a real value in anything to having seen kind of uh, the movie one time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't know that it will have settled by then. I think it'll take a few years for people to see opportunities, for people to see mistakes, for people to see kind of growth areas, and I think one thing we're going to really want to see is, you know, I'm always talking on two sides. So on the business side, are businesses seeing the returns that they want to see to justify continuing to, to do this stuff? I mean, I'll say there's a school in our conference where a guy said, you know what, I really want to support the football team, gave out a whole bunch of Chevys. It's great. One of the guys who got one of those Chevys has not been doing so hot, right? There's a sense of, well, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Over the next couple of years, we'll see if that type of behavior continues. And if it does, we'll say, okay, it's good. If not, we'll say, well, okay, maybe maybe we need to rethink kind of what the opportunity space is. On the student athlete side, there's a sense of the same kind of thing of, well, let me see whether I can continue to build on the opportunities that are created by my predecessors. So if you are, we use the same thing. 
if you're another guy who's looking at going to that team and you're thinking, okay, well, I think I might want a Chevy, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm young, right? Maybe I'm not kind of, I'm not playing yet. Um, you want to see, okay, am I going to be able to slide into that spot? And then over time, we'll see whether there are real systems in place. Because I think if there are systems in place and not just kind of one-off things, but systems that, that both sides are willing to engage in, that's what actually has a chance to change what we kind of think of as the NIL market. Because you're going to say, oh, well, this is going to happen every time. Instead of, oh, well, this happened once and this happened another time. This is great business education for student athletes, isn't it? Like This, is great. Like, this has a lot of real-world application. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we educate student athletes. We, we look at it as, as three pillars. You know, the first is brand strategy and development. The second has to do with business innovation, entrepreneurship. And we say, okay, once you've got, you have your idea, once you've made actually a little money from it and made it into a business, think about financial literacy, which is how you kind of make sure that money continues to be something healthy and productive. And the truth is that's stuff that anybody needs to know. And I'm always glad to educate them about it. And I, it kind of, I know I said it earlier, but it, it makes me happy and it, it gets me really passionate about this work because I know that ultimately I'm kind of partnering with the university to prepare young people for life, right? And, and if it's through NIL and through sports, that's even better. But the truth is, it, it makes me proud to say that I've got some 20 year olds that are going to look back at 30 and say, you know, the first time I ever thought about really making a budget was because of that NIL thing. Mm -hmm. And whether they made a little money or not, it's good or, or bad or whatever. But the truth is, they know how to make budgets and that's important. So. Okay, before I let you go, I, I heard you on another podcast, and I, I heard you say that women, uh, your student, female student athletes, were really more aggressive uh, in, in in this. Has that continued to be the case? And and what do you make of that? Absolutely, it has. I mean, I think women have outperformed where a lot of people thought that they would in the NIL space. Not where I thought they would, because I you know I live with one and I know how they are. Um, you know, the the truth is that. As companies see it, and it may actually just be objectively true, women have done better in marketing than men. And fundamentally, when you think about the micro-influencer space and, and the you know true influencer space, it's populated largely by women. And this is really no different when you think about how dominant that, to your point, social media has been in here. Um, so I, I think it's going to continue to be the case. It's been the case since I said that, and it was the case before I said that. I do think that women's angle a lot of times is a little different because they are kind of able to use the platform they have to kind of create a bit more of a brand that may not be tied to sports as much. Um, they can say, okay, well, it's cool that I am a student athlete on X team, but I want you to kind of, I want that to be the hook. And then I'll, I'll show you how much I really care about the environment. I'll show you how much I really am, am for nutrition. I'll show you how much I, I'm really concerned about some of the stuff I'm seeing in the world or whatever, right? That read something today that's talking about kind of the value of social issues for student athletes, right? Um, and so I think that'll continue. It'll continue to come from women and I'll continue to be really proud of, of our girls and girls across the country. Well, Cam, is there anything else we're, we're missing or any like interesting uh, parts of this NIL through three months that uh, people might not know about? No, not, not yet. I'd say just, you know, stay tuned and, and have a little patience. I think everyone's trying to figure this thing out and you know, I, I guess Josh Whitman brought me here to figure it out and I haven't quite figured it out. So either I'm going to get fired or nobody's figured it out yet. But, um, you know, I think continue to keep an eye on the market. I, I encourage everyone who is interested in this and maybe maybe taking a look at me here to think about how they can help out student athletes. And, and I encourage you, if you have any questions at all, please do just, you know, shoot me a note or give me a call because I'm happy to answer and, and I'll be I'll be frank with you. Cam Cox, Influence Program Creator. I uh, can't thank you enough, man. This was really insightful. No problem. Happy to do it. Talk soon. 
I like that. The Buzz Lightyear of Illini Athletics as he is uh, the final frontier. Maybe not the final frontier, but the frontier of college athletics here, uh, which is NIL. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see the impact of this uh, and see where we are in a year. Maybe we'll get Cam back on here July 1st, 2022, a year in, and see where everything is. I mean, you've obviously seen Trent Frazier really out there. Andre Curbelo has done uh, several deals as well. Haven't seen Kofi Coburn uh, as much, at least that we've seen so far. But you have seen a lot of student-athletes posting uh, some ads, doing some different things on social media um, that I think can help them, uh, whether it's you know just a few extra bucks or you know, obviously getting some gear or some clothes or, or whatever it is that can make life a little bit better. And it's, it's up to them to figure out, like, what do they want to do with it? How do they want to build their brand? Um, what do they want to get out of it? Uh, but I, obviously, I think the world for Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo and Trent Frazier uh, is a little bit different than the world of, of, you know, say the 83rd man on the football roster or uh, a soccer athlete, but there are opportunities that they now can take advantage of uh, within the rules, um, which I think we all thought most of us was, you know, something they should be able to do. And so far, it doesn't seem like, as, as Cam said, that the boogeyman has been there, that this is upended college athletics. Of course, I, I think we need to wait more time to see, okay, who, who's skirting this? Who's taking too much advantage of it? Or, you know, is it too much advantage? Or is it just everything should be open now? Um, I think it's it's definitely more out there. It's it's more upfront of what this is and that athletes are you know, profiting what they can off their name, image, and likeness, which was the whole deal. So it's going to be interesting to check in back in with Cam. But three months in, uh, sounds encouraging, though we're still trying to figure this all out. Hope you enjoyed that conversation, something a little bit different on this podcast. Now, I'm really looking forward to catching up with some student-athletes about this as well. Everybody enjoy the Purdue game. Um, we'll see if uh, Illinois helps you enjoy it a little bit more. Enjoy your weekend. I will catch up with you probably solo after the Purdue game because Joey Wagner's got a wedding to get to. Uh, but my thoughts, reaction, all of that. We'll have our previews, our, our overs and unders on the website coming up. And Derek Piper is doing his countdown of the most important Illini for the upcoming season uh, where Illinois will be ranked pretty highly, obviously, going into the season. We have basketball media days coming up shortly. Basketball recruiting really heating up just a couple months before the early signing period. Uh, and obviously Illinois football, I think, is is going to ramp up some recruiting here within the next couple months uh, based on the roster needs that they see. And I think the transfer portal is going to be very, very interesting. So check it all out at IlliniInquire.com. Whenever you want, there's a $1 VIP membership for your first month. Check us out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us. That always helps us out. Everybody take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.